Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Get ready to find your free will from your roots in the stars. Hello, once again, this is Sue Rose Minahan with Talk Cosmos, and today is October 19, and this does repeat this following Thursday on the 24th, and that's in the morning at 6 o'clock. And remember that you can subscribe to Podcast One, that's where all the archives are, and we ourselves are initiating a new subscription. So if you look on the website, you'll see all of this, and we're always glad to connect. And tonight's subject is in Libra. We're just finishing the Libra archetype. I mean, it won't, it'll finish this coming week, but this will be our last program for Libra. And we're centering on Pluto in Libra, which was during the 70s. And also particularly because as it's coming up, we have Pluto now in Capricorn. Now for the non-astrologers, hopefully you've been learning a little bit, or or I'll just briefly say that the beauty of astrology is it follows the cycles. And these planetary connections are so imperative. It's all a stage of development. And our Pluto, for we evolutionary astrologers, it's based on that transformation because soul growth is the name of the game. And Pluto is how we track that energy. And it is generational. It goes by a large segment of time. But Pluto is so ecliptic. I mean, it's it's path around the sun is very extended in one direction. And that's exactly why it was uh, changed to a dwarf planet, not changing its emphasis at all. In fact, I think, and I'm pretty certain, enlarging its dimensions of our understanding, because along with that was Eris, but a whole host of other uh, uh, dwarf planets that this transformational energy is connected with. But that totally is, an, is other subjects. So with Pluto, because of this really long, long orbit that it has around the sun, not circular like perfect uh, Venus or perfect uh, Saturn that just you can like clockwork that orbits circularly around the sun, meaning that with Pluto it will transit a sign for different periods of time. The longest was in Taurus. That's about 30 years. And then it was uh, Cancer for about 25, which would be people in their 90s now, late 80s, 90s, in the 80s and 90s of age. And then the Leo generation, and anyway, it, when it came for about 20 years, so it seemed generational until we get to the opposite, which was Scorpio, Sag, and then Libra, which, you know, a toggle on either side. There's Libra, which was about 13 years from 1971 to 1984. And within that time frame, most amazingly, the outer planets also transited Libra at different times. From 68 to, I have my notes here somewhere, but Uranus entered it. So for, for a while, Uranus was 
between 71 and uh, uh, 75 very potent with, with instigating additional sudden changes with Pluto. And then later, in, because Pluto went all the way to 84, we have Jupiter a couple of times and I, just prior to it ingressing um, or transiting in 19, it ended in 1970. That was Jupiter, but it returned because it's 12 years. Every 12 years, Jupiter comes back. And that would have been 1980 to 81. But right then at 80, there is another cycle. And these are called synodic cycles, as S Y N D O C. Synodic. Anyway, it's S Y N D O. I can't visually visualize it at the moment. I'm so sorry. But is but it is that. So meaning that Saturn and Jupiter every 20 years connect, and it will be this will be happening again next year, 2020. But in 1980, it happened, and there's cycles and cycles. And whether one remembers this as a beginner, but for those people that know more about astrology, it's like, yes, this is exciting. It seems some of the layers and nuances. And this connects totally, I might say, to Libra, because Libra is everything about relationships besides comparison and and objectivity and subjectivity. To understand these relationships, ultimately get back to the self. So back to these layers of Pluto, that these outer planets that corresponded with the Pluto and Libra cycle. It was Saturn in Libra from 80 to 83. Okay, so that I've said. But Jupiter, they both were conjunct in Libra at zero degrees in 1980. And what I was getting excited about was that it was this is an air. Libra is air. And in that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, and you have to remember that the archetype of Saturn is stop, this is the breaks, this is the outer limits of the universe, no more, this is all we can see with our visible eye. And Jupiter is like, I've got the big picture, I understand, we're going ahead, it's a vision, because it's still reaching up to go out to Jupiter. So you have forward break, forward break, or release, uh, retract. You know, it's, it's like how a snake moves, you know, up. Is that motion? So the point is, is that this dynamic was in air, but interestingly, this particular cycle of Jupiter and Saturn goes for two hundred years in a certain element. There are this other feature of astrology where every sign has not only a modality, as they call it, whether it's action of cardinal or fixed as Earth or mutable. But it also has an element, Earth. I didn't quite say that before. Fixed isn't necessarily Earth. Fixed is just um, stationary. It's condensed energy. It can be Earth. It can be any of the elements. Okay, so tying this together, it was in air back in 1980, this conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. But up until that point, and even the last one, which was, year 2000, it's been in Earth. So that's like 
how the cycle works. It's like almost a little retrograde or a little advance where it was like a peekaboo, like, okay, air's coming up because in 2020, the conjunction will be in Aquarius, which is air, and it'll be like that for 200 years. So the one point being that it's this entire Pluto in Libra era was very significant and significant now because Capricorn with this other transformational time that it's been in and will continue to be in it until um, Pluto in 2024, but the other planets are moving out of it, is in Capricorn. So with that, there's a lot more to say, and I am looking forward very much to Patty McLaughlin, who is returning to speak with me tonight. And Patty is an evolutionary astrologer who has studied with Maurice Fernandez and Capacha, some of these are familiar with you, Kelly Surtees, Stephen Forrest. These are all wonderful evolutionary astrologers, although Kelly is a little more traditional, too, because all astrology lends in other directions. And Patty is an international development worker, USAID, and that means international services. And essentially, it takes her traveling around the globe. So she happens to be nearby that we could connect. And we had spoken last time in for Sagittarius in 2018. So if you go to Podcast One, you can subscribe through iTunes. You can scroll down and find our talk or go on talkcosmos.com where we have all the guests and the information because her particular website is astrologybythebay.com. So with this, hello, Patty. This is going to be quite fun today. (laughs) Very nice. Thank you for having me on your show. And um, it's nice. We're both in Seattle this time. So that's easy. Yes. Not having Uh, to go from midnight to morning. (laughs) Yes. Um, I just uh, was thinking about this. Well, I know we're going to talk a little bit about Pluto in Libra through the years. And then we're going to also touch on uh, Capricorn Square Libra, which is very interesting these days. Um, You know, I was thinking, um, I I think... uh, I'm not sure when you were born, but I was reviewing Pluto in a Libra for it's every 248 years. So it is very, you know, rare. And I did go through the, the history and, you know, there's everything from the Mongol, the Mongol empires conquers the Russians to different treaties. But what, but I thought I kind of, when I looked at from 1971 to 1984, you know, apart from all of the relationship issues that we can discuss, how relationships really shifted because Libra rules relationships, it being an air sign, I was also noticing how many, um, it was the largest and most powerful tropical cyclone ever reported. Two Boeing 47s collided. There were just all of these different air um you know, it was a oh, yes. you know kind of these air super typhoons, the typhoon of a of one thousand four hundred miles mm. di- diameter. And then I was thinking, because you were in Seattle last night, right? Yes. Oh, yes. And you know, in Seattle, for those of you who are listening, we had a, a lightning 
an air a lightning uh, Saturday night storm, yes. storm yeah. that lasted. It was two thousand two hundred strikes of lightning in Ooh. Seattle, oh. which is extremely rare. Absolutely, we might get one flash. I happened to be leaving the station and driving home. It was the sky kept lighting up, lighting up rather like a light bulb. Yeah. So anyway, I was just started thinking about that. We might we might see this. I'm, I'm interested to look over the next year about this, the movement of airs and even um, all these Boeing um, 84s, you know, they're all stashed in Seattle, too. You can see them there. You know, they all got grounded. So I was just thinking about this whole movement of air. Um, that's going to keep things moving this next year, I think, until 2020. So well, that's a very interesting start because I happen to look at astrocartography for another talk because it's a fascinating subject. And for those that might be interested, it's where the astrology of the sky gets laid down on the globe, on Earth, on the map. And every city, and there's a way of calculating it, which we don't do. It's all on a computer at this moment. So the essence is that Seattle ascended is 29 degrees Capricorn. And, of course, all mm-hmm. these planets are in Capricorn. But down south, because the way the, the uh, when I say down south, down in, in San Francisco and L.A., I believe it's in Aquarius. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, but regardless, I happen to be looking at the coming up with some information or or exploring put it that way is which one does research and i saw off of la the strong capricornian uh in the Mm -hmm. ocean uh, the pluto and the south node and oh and and, And there was that yes and there was that fire that same day and i was thinking gee i wonder what why what would that mean off there in the ocean and this tremendous destruction, possibly, of energy. So I think the fact, regardless, it is understanding that between air, the mutable. I mean, of course, uh, Capricorn is a cardinal. It's action. Cardinal, right. But the fact is, whether it's ocean and and it all relates to the air of, of um, you know, powerful, it, it, well, it evaporates into the air and then the depending on the temperatures and etc so anyway it is something to think about well a little bit about myself i was a i'm a libra son and i was born in 1955 in leo so my son's in leo however but it my son's in libra but in the seventh house so therefore you know i kind of my pluto is is also in the seventh house so um you know, I kind of was thinking a lot about this Pluto and Libra generation. And some of the things um, I think you're old enough to remember it, too, is really when the women's movement accelerated. Oh, yeah. And when, um, like, it was just when women became really fed up and, and divorce became more available and really family structures changed so dramatically. Women, it was expected that women, you know, although women had always gone to work, women who, of course, were of lower economic strata always worked, but women who were of middle class and even upper class went to work. And this was a very new um, change in the dynamic of the family and the dynamic of women. Um, Divorce became acceptable. This stigma against 
uh, women, even Catholic women, you know, it was like okay to be divorced. I think another thing that happened during those times, um, the 68 to 75 also, um, it became like Oprah started, you know, started talking. And she started talking about things we never talked about before. And, and there was also this, um, this whole, I think, especially, I think, especially in Seattle, you can see it, but more interracial marriages, more interreligion marriages, and this whole idea of serial monogamy, where people maybe would be with each other, not necessarily their whole life. I think it was really one of the first times in our history that um, this style of relationship. Oh, there's a sound there. You might watch that sound. That's all, Patty. Whatever that sound was. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So I think it was really the relationship revolution. Absolutely. And that really expresses that energy of Aronis. That was 1968 to 75. It's seven years. Exactly. Right in that time. And then, of course, Jupiter conjoined it in 68 through 70 because it kept toggling and doing retrogrades right at the end of the cycle. I was trying to figure that out. So that's our our belief structure and and breaking the boundaries, which Aronis wants to do, and with relationships. So it's really a perfect introduction of how, because Libra by itself, well, I don't know if anything's by itself, because particularly with Libra, it is about relationships. And so it really listens and observes and wants to find out what the other person is doing. But it can get codependent. And I was reading, too, because in our generation, or at least in, you know, we have um, Neptune in Libra where there's no boundaries at all. So things merge totally. And, right. you know, and that's the one. There's very there's pluses and minuses, pros and cons and everything. But really learning to see the relationship outside of you as external and just use it. I, I was thinking it's sort of like a weather vane. You see a weather vane on top of a house. Not that often, but that's what it is. You know, picture that. And you see what direction the wind's going, but you don't move the house. You just see the direction. So you stay in your house, you check the weather vane, and then you know which way to go. I mean, that's in right. times. But the house itself, with the relationships in the house, they, like when you, people who were born during that time from 1968 to 65, you know, they experienced very unstable households. Yes. And for the very first time, kids, it was became a norm that kids were like shuffling between two parents. Or latchkey. Different yes. houses. Or latchkey kids. And so that, that, and then what they, as I was reading more, and they say a lot of these kids also, um, you know, just didn't say anything, kind of tried to keep the harmony. And that is so, needs to be brought up. Uh, I mean, I, that takes total emphasis. And I was thinking latchkey, for those that don't know, is when the kids had a key and they could get in the house, the parents were out because they were perhaps divorced and at working. And nobody was there. So they had to take care of themselves. It was a big phenomenon with all this breaking up. or And then, too, it was totally revolutionized partnerships. Some people had children without getting married and then married later or else just wanted children and didn't want to get married. You know, the norm totally changed. 
single parents became acceptable. Totally. Um, just really a big, big change. Um, I know there's this new series out in Norway. It's called um, Bonus Families. And so that's what they call kind of more blended families where you get a bonus family. So if, you're, if your parents, if one of your mother or father remarries and has kids, that's kind of your bonus family. Oh, what a great positive approach because again and again yeah it goes into choice and yeah well it makes it so much more positive we kind of say step families or whatever we say but it, it kind of doesn't sound so uh so positive and that's so libra because i was reading too that there's this idea of uh, uh, the perfect like you say harmony and so uncoupling became the word for divorce rather than divorce but really how we see something is how we attach ourselves or are integrated so it it has value and again that's goes along with libra thanks that's good exactly um Bonus. you also mentioned about um jupiter and saturn joining joining uh, in on 1980 and i kind of remember that time pretty well too and you know the 70s were just so innovative and so open and so uh, mutable so changing just everything just so different. And then the 80s came, it does seem like that was when Reagan and Thatcher <laughs> kind of took power. And, you know, this moral majority and this push for traditional family values started coming back. It was really the clenched yes. fist. Yeah, it went from so many elements and also, uh, let's see, well, I'm thinking that Pluto stayed in Libra till 84, but the, uh, like, uh, progressively they started going towards Scorpio. Exactly. Yeah. And Jupiter was the first and then Saturn and then Scorpio. So So I think it started getting much more traditional and like a little uh, backlash almost from the 80 to 84. It was still open and still um, different things going on. I mean, musically, the clash and all these types of music and things. But but I think relationship-wise, it did start to pull back a little. And um, I think it, it... it became more conservative and then people were trying were going back to more conservative traditional family lifestyles and i I think so i suppose too just looking at the bulk of people so in other words the baby boomers you know from Mm -hmm. the leo were as you were saying about the changes of the 70s but in other words the single life was beginning to leave and they were getting having children or else getting married Mm-hmm. Or maybe they'd gone through school and had a profession. And so life became a little filled with responsibilities and, mm-hmm. and had more purpose to it. I mean, it was a natural, organic shift. Right. And then at the end, there were all of these different types of marriages that were now acceptable. There were gay. I mean, I remember, uh, I mean, people moved in together before they were married. People yes. Didn't- to do that so you know like people just even didn't get married at all yes and or, so that became acceptable a gay marriage the gay marriage though it wasn't really legal back then it was much more um it was much more happening it was much more ha- you know it didn't legally become acceptable till later but i think it people were like ha- gay married gay relationships were more open 
Well, I think going back to this factor of the people born during that time, and you'd brought up, and this confirms the whole fact that that they ex- people the, the individual born during that time experienced this vast array of changing relationships, which mm-hmm. really, from what I was reading, because well, through whether it was Jeffrey Green Wolf or any of the astrologers who really started with evolutionary astrologer, that the Pluto, as it connects to our power or disempowerment, that mm-hmm. in Libra, we're, it's all about learning the authority of relationships and either becoming the authority or observing and not having the authority. But in, in that sense, and of partnerships, because here they are as children experiencing this wide arrangement, and it didn't all work so well mm-hmm. for the individual, but it's a learning ground, and it's their learning ground because it's all about relationship and, and comparison in that relationship to understand. Exactly, and even during that time, I think just around then Microsoft was starting, and, you know, they had such young people in... Um, very um, leaders in leadership roles. I remember like being like in Asia at that time and like these young people from Microsoft would come over and they'd be like, you know, under 30 Mm. and they would be like dealing with these older elders that, you know, and so it was almost like we, we broke up the whole, um, not even just paradigm. Yeah. The relationships also, in the business partnership, what a business relationship should look like with the elder being in charge. And then you had to work up your way, the ladder, you know, and it would take a long time. People started changing jobs. Young people started getting in leadership positions. So not only just the relationship, the families, the relationships, business relationships and relationships in the hierarchical nature of these corporations, I think, changed completely during that era. Those first changes started happening. Well, Patty, that's perfect, too, because relationships isn't always our intimate. It's in every factor. We will return in just a moment. This is Talk Cosmos with Patty McLaughlin, and we're talking about Pluto and Libra. We'll be right back. Thank you. break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the Yang period of Libra, ruled duly by Venus. By leaving the lower hemisphere of the self, the energy of Libra enters the arena where the completed self meets the other-than-self to form a relationship based on partnership. As a cardinal air sign on the descendant angle, represented by the equinox of equal light, Libra's energy learns through comparison and relationships, with the intention to integrate duality and polarities. 
Numbers affect our lives in endless ways. To empower yourself with the energies of the numbers that appear in your personal numerology, Liz Machette, astrologer, Reiki master, and one of Talk Cosmos' many guests, is leading a workshop based on her new book, Gateways to Change 2018 and Beyond, Keys to Navigating the Seas of Life, Using Numerology and Astrology, on Tuesday, October 29th, from 6 to 8 p.m. in Marysville. In this workshop, Liz will explain how to blend these inherent frequencies with future life events in 2020 and beyond. For more information and to sign up, contact Liz at liz at alightpath.com or call 787-431-2714. Again, that's liz at alightpath.com or 787-431-2714. Greetings. This is Dana Birnbach, Evolutionary Astrologer, and you are listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we discuss the Zodiac, our connection to it, and our roots in the stars. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk, 1150. Hi and greetings again. This is October 19, repeating on the 24th at 6 o'clock. And that's Pacific Time here in Seattle, Washington. And our subject is Pluto in Libra and involving all the outer planets during that time, 1971 to 84. But right now, too, currently we have our transformational planet Pluto along with Saturn and the south node in Capricorn. So that's really giving a lot of strong changing forces to the Libran population, whether it's in the sun sign, whether the moon sign, or whether, which is very strongly emphasis with the cardinal Libra, or the Pluto generation that were born from 1971 to 84. And I'm speaking with Patty McLaughlin. And you know, Patty, I was reading really about relationships too. And it was about this idea that, that, you know, when we, because of the fact uh, what I'd like to talk about a little bit, and if you have other ideas, is we'll just beautifully connect. But and that's the whole point too. Libra, because I do have a Libra moon. You had said you have your sun in the seventh house, that strong mm-hmm. emphasis. So I too, and mine is in the first house. So I, oh Aries, yeah, then. yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. my south node is in Libra, although my rising is Virgo. So it's. But it's still, I, I deal with this Libran focus a lot, and relationships are so valuable because it is a, a learning ground. But what had been brought up was about the fact that, okay, life isn't, as we well know, especially as we go along in time, it's not just one beautiful, harmonious element of beauty that we're able to, to, to satisfy all the time because there's a lot that needs to be accepted that, and the hurts that happen. And during that time, it hurts. It's as though we lose a little part of ourselves, and it's that process of having to go through the pain and re- revisiting it at some time. It's, it's the ugly side of, of, of pains and relationships that I think the Libran soul, and we're here we're talking about in Pluto because that's where you get your change. You can't avoid it. You have to find a method of going through it because then that, transforms you know that it's like and in capricorn right now that wants control it's 
it's breaking down perhaps the preconceived ideas of what relationships or people, whether they're business or personal, like you had brought up the business part, or politics, you know, the whole spectrum, but how the Libran person can kind of reclaim that spark in themselves and reintegrate it. Yeah, I mean, I really see that right now with the emphasis of Capricorn and Saturn, you know, in, I mean, in Capricorn, with Pluto and Saturn and Capricorn and, you know, indeed, you know, in the 10th house, square Libra. I mean, I would think it'd be a great time professionally for a lot of Librans. But apart from that, I, I think it's a time where with Saturn and Pluto in Capricorn, just as relationships were revolutionized and transformed during the Pluto and Libra generation, you know, I really believe that right now our basic governmental institutions and our just uh, judicial frameworks and our educational and even maybe company and business frameworks are all going to be substantially transformed. So that's what this generation is and is really be experiencing yeah. and you know we're experiencing it too well it's but, true but and but I, i'm a little older so you no know, but if you're in your 20s and 30s i would guess your focus will be well they're older than that they're more like i think now they're well maybe still some in their 20s but i think more they're around 30 to almost 40 in their 40s. right so they're going to be like really making transform transforming the institutions and no longer accepting these the governmental norms, the societal norms, these these structures. They're going to make some big changes, I think. Yeah, through relations. You know, it's going to happen like in the next two years. And I mean, even Trump is this wild card that sh shook up everything. Yep. Things are happening that we couldn't imagine happening two years ago. You know, whether you agree with them or not, they are happening. Exactly. And that gets, too, back to the Libra thought. Because reading about it, it's, it's, one can, because it's Pluto, Pluto of power and disempowerment, it's like the ideal. And I had not realized just the strength of the ideal with the Libra archetype because of beauty, I suppose, you know, the beauty is in itself a, and venus you know that rules it is is a uh, a lot to do about beauty and beauty from the sense of the golden mean you know i mean it's part of yeah. nature the beauty survives in the world as a flower and it attracts the bees and and all, the whole cycle of that energy is based on it so it has a valid function but the problem is is that it's important to be able to not get so attached to the ideal that when the ideal doesn't happen, which, again, is not happening a lot, to be able to let go of those uh, mental um, idealism and work with it or go through the, the thick and the... Because there's been a lot of loss. You know, Pluto also is loss. It's one of the ways that it transforms I can think of people I know and in my own family where there have been deaths and it's really shook up a lot of personal relationships and ultimately, you know, with oneself, you know, understanding the world. And that's really the whole bottom line. So I'm thinking that 
there's a, a, just recognizing that, that it is that factor if, we, if to try to realize that there's the perfect in a sense of beauty and harmony and all of that, but yet going through the depths. I think if you look at, um, you know, Libra, you know, um, October 19th, you know, the, the chart of the day, it's really interesting. Um, the Mercury is uh, in the seventh house, square Saturn conjunct Pluto in Capricorn. Hmm. Boy, it seems like a great day for something transformative to, <laughs> to happen uh, in the workplace or oh. or with or with communications or trade or treaties or something, doesn't it? Very, very strong uh, day. It could well be. And then, yes, and the moon right together in emotionally kind of right. synthesized because of the strength of the moon right there in the final direction of right and with the mc opposite so i to me it's a very i'd be interesting to hear what uh what listeners what happens on you know uh october 19th it looks to me like a really powerful uh transformational day i mean to me it looks like you could almost get a promotion or you could have some great breakthroughs with um like i say negotiations mediations treaties that's type of thing with that sun and and mercury in the seventh house square pluto and saturn wow looks like good looks like a good day to me well that sounds excellent we will have to (laughs) see because we are preparing this just a little ahead of it so we don't Mm -hmm. quite know because of your travel um, basis but you know also there's not long after the 19th, well, about a month later, Jupiter mm-hmm. is going to be leaving its own sign, going into Capricorn, meaning that whole tension of the cardinal energy. You know, cause Jupiter there is, is going, is, is that what you said? Jupiter's going in, right? Yes, in December yeah. 2nd. So in other words, when you're saying this about, uh, besides that day, just the energies are beginning to move towards uh, focus on uh, Capricorn is all about authority, all about mm-hmm. our our goals and our ambitions, and so it's really a matter of do they have value? You know, the Libra person will say, "What kind of value does that have? Is right. that functioning and in my can, life?" Yeah. And how can that? And will it be harmonious? And could Libra somehow play some role in keeping it harmonious? But but that's going to be very strong when Jupiter and that stellium goes in there. If you know, we, we just can't even imagine, isn't it? Uh, doesn't it all take place at the end of December and January? Well, the actual conjunction of Saturn and Pluto will be on January 12th, 2020. But yes. then, so it'll be just shortly after, which is rather amazing because Jupiter won't have been in Capricorn very long, only a little, about a month and a half, and it suddenly rushes right up to like 21 degrees with Pluto, but then of course everything goes retrograde, and and for those people that are wondering what are we talking about, that's where the cycle appears from Earth to be as it's going around the sun, going in the opposite direction, and it's a time of reviewing things, kind of like that reword recycle review. But in this case, it'll a lot of heavy deep thought. But shortly after that, a couple of months later in March, uh, Saturn, not Saturn, um, 
Yeah, Saturn goes into Aquarius. So because we're all at the end of these zones. So in other words, it doesn't mean that we're out of the thick of things by any means, but it does mean the crunch gets a little, it gets intense with the, the energies collected to, as you said, or as we have said about our directions and meaningfulness of, of the institutions outside of us and, 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 and what we're attached to as far as our foundation within. Yeah, I think foundation is a real key word. This foundation, you know, uh, with Capricorn, it rules, you know, also buildings and structures. And again, going back to the wind thing, I just, you know, do wonder if there's going to be more cyclones and just these climate issues. So like our, you can almost feel like our basic structures are going to go through some extreme transformation and looking at history does help although it's a strange lens because every moment is this new moment but yeah and you know i kind of do believe like even the most negative can you know it's the way to you know to deconstruct and then yes the new construction can begin exactly i mean it's tragedy is a tragedy but you know you have to just it all just keeps going so we can't you know, it's, it paves the way for the new future. But with that sort of stellium, it's really hard to believe that next January really just wouldn't bring something. Well, it will. And so, but I'm thinking, like, right off the bat, you mentioned about, at, at the first of the talk here, this is, I'm talking with Patty McLaughlin, just to remind people. And this is mm-hmm. Talk Cosmos on October 19, Pluto and Libra, uh, that about the Mongols coming over. And then I happen to be listening to a, it's a course of, uh, or what is it? The course, anyway, it's on, it's now on TV that you can hook up to. And it's about the plague in the 13, mm-hmm. late 1300s. And evidently there wasn't anything at that moment so much with Libra. It was, but later in the 1500s when it finally Let's see, I'm a little shaggy here in my thought process. Well, here's an interesting thought. I'm working in Uzbekistan now. And in Uzbekistan, it's the Silk Road. And right now, China is putting billions of dollars into reconstructing the Silk Road. From, you know, that took place just, you know, when the Mongols were there. I mean, it's just such an interesting thought. Um, You know, just they are actually reconstructing the Silk Road. That's fascinating. Yes. That is. So, you know, just reconnecting something from just ancient, ancient empires. And that, again, relates to these nodal energies. And again, that's the lunar nodals for people. And right now they're in Capricorn South Node, meaning that's where we're coming from, which is. And so, in other words, is that traditions of ancient times. And then where we're heading to is is in Cancer, which is our emotional, but it's our heritages. And again, of the past. So. It astounds me always when these connections from deep past, as I might call it, and the Mongol really was one of those revolutionized energies of the whole uh, scope of of history, you know, coming in with, it changed the Arabian. At that time, I think they were having, it was around, they were having the golden era, but the Mongols kind of destroyed that. 
And well, they went through and, um, but they, you know, they did, um, they ruled for a long time and they, you know, we have kind of just a negative that they went through and burned everything and did everything. But, but beyond that, they actually did a lot of fitness clubs and poetry clubs and they had actually quite a, the Mongols? they had a whole civilization. The Mongols you mean or the, yeah. Oh, the Mongols also. that's good to know. Well, it is what's true. interesting is maybe with Capricorn and these ancient, you know, like Russia and China, uh, these are old, old civilizations. So, you know, maybe they're going to help us realign our, our new, you know, we're a cancer. So, uh, civilization, you know, the United States is cancer. So maybe, maybe we might need a little realignment or something. Good point. Because again, that's a cardinal sign. It's one of the points, the four points. We've got Aries, yeah. uh, cancer, and cancer can teach a lot. And, and they're and they're ancient wisdom and they are, you know, tribal. old, you know, old structures, you know, old, you know, con- traditional structures. Well, and they're just going to be right opposite us. Well, I also time. looked on it, it rings a bell here because of the astrophotography I was mentioning. I saw lines going right through a lot of that area, which was a little hard to decipher because on the one current just looking at current history with the Russia and one knows that it's a player of of course but one forgets about these ancient ancient times that it really in looking at it from the libran standpoint of listening because that it, to have a relationship you have to listen and you have to think objective and subjective on both parts you know self and the other could be groups and others in every dimension so that's really valid thanks patty that's so many types of relationships you know now there's this backlash you know and things are like we're people are kind of anti-diversity or something but you know it's like you know everybody's an immigrant and even when i was in uzbekistan there was there was uzbeks and russians and tartars and chinese and even there nobody's really from anywhere essentially (laughs) especially as a traveler i I can yeah, agree. I've, but these are I've ancient, ancient movements of people that, you know, it's like, it's just an interesting thing. Maybe we'll get more in touch with that. I hope so. Well, now this does bring back the plague information. And, exactly. And the that plague. is because the fact is it broke down society and it broke it down because people, half the population died. And so in every facet, there weren't there weren't the people and there were three structures at that time there was a clergy the nobleman and the peasant and it was right. very definite but after this plague which started in 1348 to 52 really dramatically started but it continued for 300 years going off and back and isn't that an amazing long time it was. and was it airborne or how was it no was it no it wasn't airborne at all actually it was through the rat and it was through a lot of water transportation mm-hmm. because a rat came on through all these different, and it went all the way up into cities, Kaftia, I think, if I'm saying it right, in the Mongol area. It was up through mm-hmm. waterways and all of that. And it just spread amazingly, of course, just quickly. And, and of course, people didn't understand why. And it, it's a fascinating, on the course, what is it, the course of... I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's now on television and through one of your apps for a few dollars. We used to always um, 
by them. But but the point was is that therefore it broke it down so that surf people of weren't connected with their men or they could go to and women too oh, yeah could they kinda, could it, start it, it, working movement, women movement. even became well in some cases even a priest i think right. it really broke down the structure so what i'm getting at is with this breakdown of of the capricornian and we're bringing up the fact of the libran energies just from the, that generation that's really moving into p- empowerment right 30s and 40s are becoming adults of capacity in in so many ways and their gifts of learning how to negotiate partnerships that have been broken by listening and by knowing who they are is very empowering because we potentially could be through many elements, you know, these energies shift in different dynamics, but they're still there. I mean, it's the Capricorn. I do think January is a key, is a big month, so let's see how that goes. And I and I think October's positive. <laughs> Libra, positive. Well, yes, and of course that reminds me. It was that anybody during or any days through the Libra month, these Capricornian influences might be quite evident either collectively as it's going to the transits or else if they have strong Libra or any Libra depending particularly you know on the degrees that gets into the because Libra does want balance and that is who knows except for the equinox it doesn't occur (laughs) yeah I think that we just have to try to maybe I think it's going to be some, you know, big transition. So maybe the the wisdom is to try to remain balanced as much as possible because things are going to go really, you know, up and down. And I think, um, yeah, just try to remain balanced, just and harmonious, and well, listen to both sides. I I agree to a point. I'm thinking though, just the here I'm reading this, and I I really going back to Jeffrey Green is important but generally this was something that i had looked researching it says that people with pluto and libra have a good sense of balance but because of pluto in this sign it i mean the whole fact that it's sudden and profound changes and it's in family which because it is the in the fourth house area to um capricorn but but it also uh unexpected changes in relationships and fears and uncertainties mm-hmm. but they're adaptable and responsible in the relationships but relationships are unstable so i know that in caring for an unstable relationship it reminds me of when i cared for my father with my husband the last three years three and a half years of his life i was always trying to find an equilibrium but he was in the process of dying it was falling down there was no stability and i think that's part of the gift is to realize that we cannot attach too much to that um, mm. stability because it says personal transformations accomplished by developing the ability to relate to other people. And that reminds me, too, of, of Steve Jobs. My husband was just reading tonight that uh, an article that said just before he died that he said it's talking to someone that's the meaningfulness of life, not the millions. He had $7 billion, and it didn't save him, but... What found meaningfulness was that relationship, friends. And he says, if you want to go fast, go alone. 
And if you want to go far, go together. And next week, we have Scorpio, and it'll be a cosmic collaboration. And we've changed this to where it's now a panel. So it'll be a live talk right here in the studio. And it'll be, I think the subject's about empowerment, but it's it's because we've pre-recorded with Patty McLaughlin tonight. It's a little bit far away, which, of course, when you hear this on the 19th and the 24th of October, it won't be. But I've been speaking with Patty McLaughlin, and you can find Patty on Talk Cosmos and get in touch with her if you'd like. And we've been talking about Pluto and Libra, and it's just been fascinating. I think you have about 30 seconds here, Patty, if you want to... Yeah, and, just thank you very much. Um, enjoy the fall. Enjoy the beauty of Libra. Enjoy, um, enjoy the Capricornian, uh, the <laughs> beginning of the year. And I can be found at astrologybythebay.com. Oh, good. Thank you. Oh, indeed. It's just great. And just to check. Oh, we actually have three minutes. Okay, but well, we've concluded that. We can. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, when you watch a good show, I remember watching uh down at Peel Fair here in Seattle, they had uh, the great, um, oh, my gosh, I can't even think. I can remember Liza Minnelli. She was, uh, was it like, at any rate, when a show finishes, you have another encore. So we have three minutes here. That's the point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, you were talking about maybe 20, the Silk Road in China. That was yeah. one thought. Yeah, you know, I just think that's really interesting that they're trying to bring back that. So, you know, whereas, you know, kind of we're looking at walls and separations and actually China is trying to build this this great road. This that's and it's going to be a train. It's going to go from like oh. Russia through China, through Uzbekistan, through Afghanistan, oh. through India. I mean, they want to do the big road. Oh, I'd love big, to do that. The Silk Road. Oh, my husband. And they want to make it quite accessible, like kind of to bring back the old Silk Road. And they're putting in a lot of infrastructure. So that's interesting if people would like to research that because. Yeah. Um, well, ask. The connecting, it, they're really working at connecting everybody. This <laughs> is valuable. You know, after the plague, because there was so much land, there was a regrowth. And eventually, you know, there became merchants and there was trade and eventually the Renaissance. And, you know, also I was connecting this with the thought of get going through pain. It was a soul growth. It was reading a little bit about Kabbalah, it says that usually one might see pain as a wall. Oh, no, it's terrible if we think of it as an, in material sense of, of form. But yet for soil growth, that's the beginning. And so it could be like this whole idea of the wall, like going past the connection, because who knows what China's really, the transformations globally, all mm-hmm. our nations could be much more Im- impermeable. Oh, I'd love to do that, Patty. Well, it'll be there. Yay! Okay, well, thank you for having me, Sue. And um, I'm going to run, I think. And uh, good luck with your next structure of your next um, meeting. Oh, yes, indeed, indeed. And I think you're off to travel soon. So you have a wonderful trip to Bhutan and other places. And this has been Talk Cosmos. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and guests unveil astrology's ancient archetypes that continually build the collective experiences in our unconsciousness. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 6 p.m. to continue finding your roots in the stars.